This episode is brought to you by the Create Photography Retreat. I'm so excited to be presenting at the Create Photography Retreat again here in 2020. It's being held in beautiful Greenville, South Carolina, October 14th to 17th, when all the fall colors will be breathtaking. Come join me and others from the Master Photography Podcast Network in interactive, hands-on sessions and make some serious progress towards mastering your photography. If you use the link in the show notes over at phototacopodcast.com, you can get 10% off the cost of your ticket. I would love to see you there. Welcome to Photo Taco, the only show with photography tips you can learn in the time it takes to eat a taco or perhaps a burrito. Photo Taco. Hey, everybody. Welcome into another episode of Photo Taco and the Master Photography Podcast Network. I'm your host, Jeff Harmon. Thanks so much for spending a few minutes of your day with me. In this episode, I am geeking out into a full deep dive into some really big testing I have been doing over the last month, putting hundreds of noisy images through a noise reduction tool and comparing it against what you can get in Adobe Lightroom camera. I'm talking about noise, Denoise AI. It's a product from Topaz Labs. It's on version two right now as I am recording this episode, and I have really done a lot of testing with it over the last little bit. So I, I'm excited to kind of share with you what my experience has been with the product, and I'm going to tell you whether I think it's worth it or not. All right, let's start with then First off, this is not a paid ad for Denoise AI. They have not paid me to review this. They did not provide me the product for free. I went and bought a license myself just as a normal consumer would over at the Topaz Labs website. Uh, I didn't let Topaz Labs know besides maybe what they could have noticed on social media as I was posting teasers to this episode, but I didn't let them know I was doing the review. They haven't been in contact with me. They didn't influence this review at all. It's totally unbiased. And uh, and so I'll be able to give you a, a full review of this. You, sh you should be able to trust this as, as not being influenced by Topaz Labs. Um, and that sh hopefully that's of value to all of you out there. I bought it just like the rest of you. And, uh, and I can tell you what I think of it now as a completely un uh, unbiased person, a photographer using the software. Okay, what is Denoise AI? So Denoise AI is software that you run on a desktop computer. They claim, Topaz Labs does, that it uses artificial intelligence to remove noise from images. Like I said, it's at version two at the moment, and that's what I tested for this episode. So AI, what, what is artificial intelligence? It's the AI in Denoise AI. What does that mean? So here's what Topaz Labs says in a fact on their website. They said, we train an artificial neural network with millions of blur sharp image pairs. The neural network will eventually remember what the sharp image should look like if it sees a blurry image. And after months of training, we then upload a blurry image to the neural network and ask it to sharpen it. And the network will recall what it has learned from the image pairs it trained with and will attempt to apply the same changes to the new blurry image that it saw, it saw in previous sharp images. Okay, so they're saying that this tool should be different from other noise reduction tools where in those other tools there's kind of a, a flat algorithm just a an algorithm that's that engineers developed they may have used artificial intelligence or or uh, machine learning in the development of that algorithm but it's it's an algorithm that was developed to work equally over all of your photo. And they they usually add some sliders or some capability to, to tune that algorithm to make your image look the, be the best that it possibly can. Denoise AI is 
to me, what Topaz Labs is saying is Denoise AI is supposed to be analyzing your photo and it's changing how things work specific to your image. It's got some intelligence so that it knows to do that. And there's it's there's still some sliders, there's still some things you can do to tell Denoise AI a little bit more about your image and what you're going to do with it. But that's kind of the rough thing that is being claimed by Denoise AI. And after I get through the episode, I'll tell you what my opinion is. And you can see images for yourself. You know, I have some high-res images that will be in the show notes that you can be able to go and check out, especially if you use a desktop computer. Mobile, you're going to have a hard time seeing the difference here. But on a desktop computer, you should be able to see a lot. Now, Topaz Labs has a whole bunch of really spectacular examples on their product page website. Of course they would. That's uh, marketing for you. I always take that with a grain of salt because I, I always assume that they're selecting a few images where it really works well, and they probably did, but I'll go through some of my own images, and that's why I think it's important to have someone test it on like real-world, actual images and not just see something based on the marketing. I think that's kind of an important thing, and that's something I hope that you'll appreciate out of Photo Taco. Okay, so... Let's go through the workflow next. Now that you kind of know what Denoise AI, AI is. Oh, and, and one more thing I, I meant to mention is it's only available on a desktop computer. Like you you can't use this on an iPhone or an iPad. And, and Topaz Labs says in their fact in the same place, the reason is there's just not the processing power available to them. They, they can't accomplish what they need to do with this product unless they have the resources, the hardware resources available to them of a desktop computer. And I'm gonna get into kind of the hardware utilization as part of this episode. It wouldn't be Photo Taco without all that geeky nerdiness in it, right? So, so it'll be there. I will get to it. Okay, so Denoise AI Workflow. I wanted to walk through this. This is not a, a true like tutorial about how to do that. Uh, that's something I am actually working on and planning to release soon. So if you follow me on social media or you are part of the Facebook group for Photo Taco, you'll get no, um, notice or, or news when I have that video training available. I do plan to have it be something I charge for, but I think it's going to be a super reasonable cost for it where like impulse buy kind of <laughs> kind of standard for most people listening. So um, it's a way that you can support the show. If you go buy the training, then that, that'll be a, a really good way to support the show. Okay. So the the workflow that I'm going to recommend here, I went through the training of sorts. Denoise or Topaz Labs has a YouTube channel. I'll link in the show notes, and and they have some help on how to use the tool. Really, though, I think they're they're relying on there's just not that many things you can configure in the tool. So they are hoping you can kind of figure that out as you do it. There is this bit of information though, and it, it's there right as you launch the software at first. There's two screens of help that come up, and this is very specifically pointed out as a best practice that they're recommending. They say, we recommend applying noise reduction first in your workflow before making any other edits. And here's why. You don't want to sharpen or enhance the noise. By reducing the noise first, you will have as clean an image to work with as possible. So that's their recommendation. As you use Denoise, you should do it as soon as possible on your files, especially raw files. Um, it'll work on JPEGs of two, of course, but noise reduction in your raw files, they, they usually need some. And then when you take pictures in low light, they need a lot, depending on how much noise and your camera. And there's lots of variables there. But And we're not going to get into that. I'm going to try to stay away from that in this episode because I, I really want to focus on Denoise AI. 
So there are three ways then that you can incorporate Denoise AI into your post-processing workflow. At least if you are the average listener listening to this podcast episode, you're probably an Adobe user. And for those of you who aren't, there's at least the two, the two options. The, the first two will really kind of still resonate with you. And then the third would be more for Photoshop users. And you'll, you'll get it. It still mostly applies even if you're not an Adobe user, then, um, then whatever post-processing tools you are using on your raw file files, it will work with them for the most part. Um, and you'll have to, anyway, let's get into it. So the first option, and this would be like the default option, especially if they don't actively have support for your raw editor. And that's to run Denoise AI standalone. So standalone, what, what do I mean by standalone? That, that means you just, it's a computer, it's an application you run on your computer. It stands by itself. You don't have to go into Lightroom. You don't have to go into Photoshop. You don't have to go into On One or any other software first. It's not truly a plugin or even an extension. It really is a standalone piece of software. And no matter how you get to it, and those are the other two options we'll talk about in a second, you end up at the same spot. You end up with this standalone application running. Uh, the difference will be that you can kind of automatically have an image loaded into the software into that standalone software to be able to do it. You can also use the standalone program to batch process a folder of images. Um, I'm gonna walk through a little bit about how that works towards the end of this episode because I definitely wanted to test that and see maybe this could have become a pre-processing step that I would do on noisy images, sports, indoor sports photos, for example. They're always gonna be noisy. I have to crank up the ISO. There's just not enough uh, light in the, in the gym to be able to, to make good, clean captures of images. So could would it make a difference then? Could I run it through this software first, have it do a really good job of reducing the noise, applying those AI algorithms or the, the AI to that denoise problem and come up with better images. So I was super interested in that and I'll, I'll tell you more about that in just a second. So that's the first workflow option. You can launch denoise all by itself, just find it on your computer, hit, uh, you know, start the software. It works on Mac and PC. There seems to be no difference between the two, between Mac and PC. Everything worked identically. I tested it on both. And uh, and it just it starts up, and the first thing you do is like, okay, now point me at a file. Sh open a file in the software. It, can, it supports raw files and JPEGs. Um, at least it supported all the raw files I threw at it. I don't know... If it came in con, you know, if you open, if you have a really new camera and you try to open the raw file, if it would support it or if there's lack of support, I didn't see anywhere on the website where it specifically detailed what raw files it supports or not. So, uh, you know, I expect it to mostly be able to do that. So that's an interesting aspect that uh, maybe for a, another time to to dive into that. And I need more raw files from everyone to <laughs> to try it out. Anyway, it it is a standalone program. It's the first way to do it. It's it's really easy to be able to launch it and do it. You, you, you know how to launch a program on your computer. Okay, second workflow option then is from Lightroom Classic, which is probably what the vast majority of you listening would be using. You're gonna be in Lightroom, you're probably culling your images or working on, you know, starting to work on a shoot, and you've got an image that you really want to uh, make the, be the very best. And so you, you really want to edit it in Denoise AI, get rid of the noise and then do the rest of it. Like, Topaz suggested, you're going to open it up 
first, like really early on in the processing of an image. You don't want to do any other adjustments. That's what the recommendation is. Don't do other adjustments and then open it up in Denoise AI. So you can, you can right click on an image and say edit in and then choose Topaz Denoise AI and it opens it up. It takes a second, like the, the, it, automatically launches Denoise AI and it opens up the image that you were on, you know, the one that you right clicked on in Denoise AI. And then when you save, it's going to save it as, uh, a, by default, I believe it was TIFF. Uh, there might be preferences. I can't remember now, but, <laughs> but you, uh, when you round trip back from Lightroom, you get to, you see your new image there and mine were all TIFFs for sure. They, they all ended up as TIFFs, but I don't remember is if I had a preference of TIFF or DNG. I do know that Denoise AI supported exporting or saving your file as both formats, TIFF and DNG. And I'll get more into that, uh, later when I talk about the batch processing. Okay. So if you've started it, with no uh, no changes in Lightroom. Uh, by default, there's a couple of sliders that are set, right? That there's a sharpening slider and there is in like in the details panel of Lightroom, there's the sharpening and the noise, the color noise reduction slider that has some defaults. The color noise in particular is set to 25 by default. And if you've ever gone to an image and put that to zero, uh, I mean, it'd be an interesting experiment for you to try if you've never seen that. You're gonna see some noise, some color noise in the image. And that's because, you know, every camera, it doesn't matter what it is, they can, they have some color noise that happens in the photos. And with the slider set at 25, that is Adobe Camera Raw compensating for what is in there in every single digital camera that there is. There's this color noise and 25 is a really good level for Camera Raw to deal with that. Topaz Labs is suggesting you don't want to let Adobe Camera Raw deal with that, even though it's a default and you haven't actually gone and changed the slider, they're saying you should go set that to zero. The the uh, sharpness too, set it to zero because Denoise AI can do the deconvolution sharpening and do the color noise reduction for you and they think better. I tried it out, I tested it a lot. I recommend you let Adobe Camera Raw <laughs> do, do those, those defaults on the sharpening and the noise reduction or the color noise slider. Um, the sharpening, not so much. I guess you could zero that out. I didn't see a, a massive difference there. But images that I, where I tried introducing Denoise AI first and not using Lightroom versus those that I took from Lightroom and then brought into Denoise AI and didn't zero out the default slider for color noise reduction I felt like I could get better results with the latter option. Like I felt like Adobe Camera Raw did a better job of getting a raw file prepared to be edited than I could directly loading like my CR2 Canon raw file into Denoise AI. So your mileage may vary. It may be something that you want to try between the two and see, see how it works for you. But uh, I found that to be beneficial, which, which is a problem because that means if I need to batch import, if that ends up being a good solution, and remember, I'll talk about that in a little bit, uh, now I have a problem where, well, I at least need to run it through Adobe Camera Raw for the noise reduction first. So it, it can kind of become a problem. Um, I also wanted to note here, Denoise AI currently doesn't integrate with the new Lightroom. 
I hate how Adobe has named these things. It gets terribly confusing as we talk about them. I've seen it referred to as like Lightroom Cloud. It was really kind of Lightroom Mobile initially, and now they have a desktop version that mirrors Lightroom Mobile. It's the brand new one that doesn't have full parity. It's not the one that's been developed for the last 15 years, Lightroom Classic. Um, this integration between Lightroom Classic and Denoise AI, where you can right-click and then say edit in Denoise AI, is only with Lightroom Classic. It doesn't work with Lightroom, the new Lightroom. <laughs> so just, just note that. It doesn't mean you can't use the two, like the new Lightroom with Denoise AI, because you could. You could run Denoise AI first on your file and then import it into the new Lightroom. Um, or you could export out of the new Lightroom to a TIFF and then import that into Denoise AI. But your, your, your workflow is going to be a little bit different. Okay, option three workflow-wise and, and how you would get Denoise to work can be from Photoshop. There's a lot of users I hear from that don't use Lightroom, but they use Adobe Bridge and uh, and Photoshop or just like, you know, right-clicking on or or opening a, a raw file in Photoshop directly. They don't go through Lightroom so that they can work on that file. And if that's what you do, you still do have a good option for being able to run Denoise AI from Photoshop. There's a pretty good integration there. When you install Denoise AI, you get a new filter that's added to the filter menu in Photoshop, and you can go down to, um, to Topaz Labs, and then it has Denoise AI listed there under Topaz Labs in your filter section, kind of at the bottom. It puts like your custom or add-on filters to at the bottom of that filter menu. So down at the bottom, there's gonna be a Topaz Labs section and Topaz Denoise AI. And what it does is exactly the same thing as what I kind of talked about with Lightroom. It launches the application, just the same interface, same program as you would the standalone app, but it's going to now bring in the image, whatever you've got, whatever layer you're on in Photoshop, it's gonna load that layer into Denoise AI, and then you can do all of the Denoise functions there. So if you brought in a raw file directly into Photoshop, you didn't go through Lightroom, the first thing that Photoshop has you do as bringing a raw file into Photoshop, it brings up the Adobe Camera Raw interface. A little easier to recognize it there because it calls it Adobe Camera Raw. And this is where you have, you have all of the panels and sliders that are available in the Lightroom Develop module. They're exactly the same right here presented in that Adobe Camera Raw dialog box. And again, Topaz Labs said, don't do anything to the image inside of um, Photoshop before bringing it into Denoise AI. I'm still going to say I recommend you do that at least the color noise reduction slider to 25 and let it do it. I just found better results. And it's the same Adobe Camera Raw. It's the same in Lightroom as in Photoshop. And, uh, and so that 25 default color noise reduction I think allowed me to get better images, consistently better images than without. All right, so there's your options about how to run it. If you have other software, um, other raw processors you're using, I, I didn't try it with any of those. There's just too many. I had enough testing to do as it was. There's too many variables. So I can't tell you exactly how it might work with On1 or PhotoRaw or whatever editor, whatever raw processor you're using. But worst case is you use it on your raw file 
in the standalone version first, export it to like a TIFF, and then import it into your raw processor and go from there. That would be how Topaz Labs recommends you do it. Now let's walk through a workflow in Denoise AI itself, the interface that's there. And this is not a full tutorial. This is uh, something that I just wanted to give you a few steps, a few kind of examples about how to do this, how I used Denoise AI, what I found as I went through it. I have in the show notes a ton of screenshots, and I have them available in high res, so you can really see the impact as I'm changing the sliders as examples uh, for one specific image over in the show notes. I am intending to create an actual full-blown video tutorial for this that I, I hope to make available for purchase soon. I'm hoping I can price it so that it's like an impulse buy level <laughs> so that any of you listening who really want to see me take through a bunch of images through the software and give you my recommendations on how to use the tool um, that you can do that. And, and, and it will be so inexpensive. It would be a good way to be able to support the show. So I, I intend to do that. I intend to do that soon. You're going to want to follow me on social media or join the Photo Taco Facebook group so you get information on that when it's available. I will update the show notes at some point when that is available um, for, for purchase. Okay. When you first open up Denoise AI, you have a split view before and after side-by-side -side comparison of the image taking up most of the screen, which is good. You, you want to be able to see the impact of your sliders on your split view. And, and that's it's a good way to be able to show it. You can just look at the original full-size or, or have it take up the whole screen at the zoom level you're at. Or the single image, like the, the results, you can do that. But split view is where you're going to want to leave it most of the time. That's the default. It also by default goes to a 100% view of the image, which is good because that's, uh, especially in Lightroom, if you're using Lightroom to do noise reduction, you have to do it at 100% or else you're not getting an accurate representation on your screen of the impact of the sliders. And that goes for anything else to it you you uh can't get a fully accurate depiction of in the the impact of any of the sliders unless you're at 100 percent zoom inside of lightroom so it's good that it's here I, I don't think the same problem exists where you don't see a good impact on the preview image that is generated but it uh it defaults to 100 so you can kind of really see the impact like the the details of the noise and your edges in the image and be able to work through it. You can change the view 50%, 200%, 400% are the other three options besides 100. And I used all of them and I'll, I'll explain kind of how as I go through this workflow. In the upper right hand corner of the software when you launch it, it doesn't matter how you launched it, standalone, Lightroom, Photoshop, uh, it, it's exactly the same. In the upper right, there's something called a navigator, it's similar to what you've seen in Lightroom in the upper left in Lightroom. And this is how you change which portion of the image is shown in the split view. It's, it's being shown at 100% view, one-to-one -one pixels, which means it's zoomed in on your image, at least if your image is even like, you know, 12, 15 megapixels or bigger, it's going to be zoomed in. And so there's only a, a certain portion of your image that's going to be able to show in that split view and you use the navigator to be able to move around on the image. So you can see different areas of it. Just below the navigator is a checkbox to turn on auto update preview. And I recommend you keep that one checked. It means every move you make, whether it's in the navigator or changing a slider or changing the model, we're going to talk about some of these other things. 
it's updating, you know, it's going to rerun the noise reduction process on that specific portion of the image that is showing in split view and update the preview. And uh, so that that's a, a nice option to have there. Just below that is a choice on model. This is what it's called. Select a model and you can choose between Denoise AI and AI Clear. And Denoise AI is the default, which is kind of interesting that the model is named exactly the same as the product name. I think AI Clear was something that Topaz Labs had kind of in their Denoise stuff previously, and they still have it as an option. Um, but Denoise AI is kind of the newer stuff, the newer algorithms, the newer AI stuff that uh, that they've gone through. And, and here's what Topaz Labs says is the difference between these two models for reducing noise. They said Denoise AI and the original AI Clear utilize two different types of AI networks, but both are extremely effective at removing noise. Denoise AI provides more capabilities in fine-tuning noise reduction, while AI Clear provides quick options for those looking for less input. You can also select auto on either model and let the software decide the right settings for your images. All right, so to put it in my own words, after I, after I watched some YouTube videos and after I had some experience using the tool, AI Clear is for photos with little to moderate noise that really only need the deconvolution sharpening to happen. Denoise AI model, is for heavy noise reduction. It offers way more sliders. It takes more time to process for sure. The, the AI Clear takes almost no resources to, to use. And there's a definite difference between that, the hardware level that is used, the hardware resources that are used. Um, so I found AI Clear worked really well on something like an underexposed portrait. Okay, so like ISO 100, but it was underexposed. Uh, maybe the, the light was changing too fast and you didn't quite keep up in your manual settings or with your flash settings or whatever it is. And you end up with an underexposed image, like a, a stop underexposed. And if you raise that exposure up a stop in Lightroom or in Photoshop, you're going to see a little bit of noise. It's not terrible, but there is some noise there and, and you maybe want to clean that up a little bit. That's where AI Clear is, is a good model. And not to say it's just portraits, but it's a good model for that. For other things where you know that there's going to be a lot of noise, you know, Milky Way photography, uh, shooting the moon, just uh, tons of things that are going to have noise in them, sports, <laughs> indoor sports especially, then that's where Denoise AI is probably going to be your best option. The good thing is you don't have to really have it set in stone which one you're going to use. It's super trivial to switch back and forth. You have this little switch box in the UI to switch between Denoise AI as the model and AI Clear as the model. And it's super easy. You can like hit the auto button, which is just underneath it, and be able to uh, to switch to the other model. And, and that works really, really well. So that's that's kind of how I would recommend that you do this. You start off deciding on the model first. That's your first decision that you need to do. Hit auto, hit, uh, you know, let Denoise AI process what you're looking at, take kind of a mental picture of, of how the processing looked, and then hit all AI clear. And it's still on auto mode, so it's going to auto select stuff. And you can kind of just flip back and forth between the two models in auto mode. It may take a little bit of time to update the preview. I'll get to that in a minute, but uh, but you can get a mental picture about what it how which one is is 
doing better with your image. You may want to poke around in the navigator, you know, move around the viewpoint that is being shown in the preview window so that you can kind of look around the image and see what it is, or maybe set it to 50%. It defaults to 100. You want to see more of the image at once. Def go to 50% view in the and zoom, and then check out the image and see which one model is going to be there. But I think the general guidance from there is going to be pretty good. Now, a note on this with auto. Auto is, uh, has actually been pretty good as I was doing it. I liked auto, but I liked it from the standpoint of just giving me kind of a starting point on where things might be good. Um, but it's almost always, at least my experience putting hundreds of images through the software, auto tends to be overdone. You know, just like ice cream and donuts and everything good in life, <laughs> too much of a good thing is not good. And that definitely applies to noise reduction, too much noise reduction. And you end up with plastic skin or things looking funny and it's, it's just not good. So you got to be careful with it. You can go too far in any noise reduction software. That includes Adobe Camera Raw in Lightroom and Photoshop. You can go too far and you can certainly do that in Denoise AI. And auto tended to me to be a little too far on most images. So it's a good starting point. You might need to back it off. In some cases, I had to go Further though, there were some cases where I liked the resulting image or what I was trying to get out of my image by taking the, no the remove noise slider further and the sharpen slider further and even adding some recover original detail. And I'm gonna get to all those sliders in just a second. But auto is a good place to start, it's a good starting point. Now in my example that I'm walking through in the show notes, I didn't start at auto, I started at the defaults. When the defaults are remove noise 15, sharpen 15 and or yeah. So anyway, I started from there and then I walked through kind of how I would do it. But I, I recommend that you really kind of start on auto. Um, and then when you turn auto off and you go back to manual, you see how it set the sliders. You know, it analyzed your image. It set the sliders. You can see what it is. Now you can play around with them. You might even want to note down what the auto settings were so that you can go back to them and compare like, uh, I can't remember now what it really looks like under auto. I'm going to go back to that and you, or you could just click auto again and, and it'll, it'll analyze your image and probably it should, it did for me, come back to exactly the same settings as it did the first time you hit it. And then you can compare that with other settings that we were doing. So it's, it's a helpful tool. I don't think, I think for most images, it's, important to continue tuning the sliders beyond what auto tells you to see if you you might be able to get even more out of the images okay so now with auto off you turned to manual now it's time to play with sliders so the first slider that you have there's only there's there's five sliders in denoise ai ai clear actually has uh, it only, it doesn't, it has a single, well, I guess you have two, three sliders. You have three sliders possible in AI clear, but, uh, remove noise becomes a three levels. You don't have a slider. You have low, medium, high and enhanced sharpness. You have low and high. Then you do have a recover detail slider and a chroma noise slider. Those seem to be kind of the same between AI clear and denoise AI, but, uh, AI clear, there's definitely less customization you can do. And I, it is self-explanatory. It's also super fast to be able to use it. So it's really easy to just click on the different options there and check out your image and decide which one you like best. 
And so I'm not going to go into any more about AI clear and how to use it because it's, it's really, really self, uh, self-explanatory in the process, but I am going to tell you more about, I'm going to go through kind of my details on Denoise AI, the model Denoise AI inside Denoise AI, the, the program. And let's start with the first slider is remove noise. So it seems like it's pretty obvious in the name. It's the slider that controls how much noise is being removed. And so as you move the slider to the right, it's applying more noise reduction, getting rid of more and more noise. And uh, I found that setting the slider to be fully to the right at 100, I think it's percent, but it doesn't say percent, but over to 100, it was always too much for the images that I tested. I never was happy with an image with reduced noise set to 100, but I totally recommend going there just so you can see what it looks like when there is too much noise. And you can see a close up, a high res image in the show notes of what that looks like. So I do, I like going there. I like it and this kind of the suggestion I have in Lightroom or any of the software you're using, going to the extreme shows you exactly what is way too much. And then you can start backing it off from the extreme. And it's it's nice to be able to see a drastic change in your image so that you can know what is too far, what is too much. And now you can kind of judge between what, what auto set it to or what the default was and too much and find a balanced level for that slider. And that's, that's kind of the goal across all of these sliders. And it would be in any processing that I that you might be doing with sliders. So I took it to 100, way too much. Definitely, it's removing the noise from the image for sure. But now the skin looks plasticky. We're losing detail and, and sharpness in the image for sure. It's the cost of too much noise reduction. So next, I backed it off to 50. You know, I went between the default was 15. I backed it off to 50 to see kind of what that is. Wait for the, the preview to update. And in the image that I test, um, I, I have in the show notes, it was still too much in this specific example for this image. It was still too much at 50. So now I need to cut it back some more. And I tried 25 and yeah, that's still, it, it was close, but it still looked a little over the top. I'm not looking to eliminate every bit of green in the image. I just want to kind of reduce it so that it's not a prominent feature in the image. Graininess is still needs to be there for stuff to look normal and real and not plastic and and so you it, the goal for me in my images was not to fully eliminate all of the noise and even at 25 it looked a little over the top so i walked kept walking it down now i'm incrementing decrementing it just by one and i walked back to 21 and I felt like that was a pretty decent balance between having just a little bit of noise showing up, but pretty well controlled and still having the edges. Uh, well, actually, the edges looked a little soft still. So now's the sharpness slider. That's the next one down in the tool is the sharpness slider. Same advice. Take it up to crazy. I <laughs> took it up to 100. And that's going to be, in, in most cases, going to be too much. I was surprised by the result as I did this because it didn't do what I expected. I expected like a whole bunch of noise to come back into the image because we're increasing the sharpness slider. And it actually had kind of the opposite effect. I saw less noise in the image when I increased the sharpness slider to 100. It was, it was a little odd how it worked. 
And I'm totally guessing, I have no insight into how this functions inside the tool, what the AI is doing. But it seems like as you're increasing the sharpness slider, and I, I kind of came to this after seeing the same thing happen, image after image after image in the testing, it seemed like it's giving permission to the artificial intelligence to get to apply the noise reduction closer and closer to the edges of detail in the image. I think the AI can identify the edges and by default with a like sharpness of zero, it's really not going to apply any noise reduction anywhere, even if you have noise, remove noise up above zero. It's when you start to increase that sharpness slider that you give permission to the AI to, to start at the middle in between edges and apply noise reduction, and then uh, slowly expand that. As you continue to increase the sharpness slider, it continues to increase how much from the middle of, of edges to the actual edge itself, the noise reduction can be applied. And when it's fully at 100, it may not even stop at the edges. It just is applying the noise reduction to the entire image. It's kind of how it behaved. I don't know if that's accurate or not, but that's my observation. Putting hundreds of images through the tool, that's how it was functioning for me. So when I increased sharpness, I didn't really notice a tremendous increase in the edge sharpness in the images, but more of the noise would go away and it started to look over the top like really fast as I did it. So 100 for sure was too much. I took it down to 50. It looked no different. <laughs> it looked identical as 100, way over the top and too much noise reduction. So I took it down to 25. And uh, 25, I started to see a little bit of the noise coming back into the background of the image. Not sure I saw a whole lot of difference in the sharpness of the edges still, but I slow I, I saw it there. So then I thought, well, okay, but what? Maybe 25 is is allowing too much noise back into the image. Um, I wonder if there is a balance between 25 and 50. So I started marching the slider up one at a time on sharpness, waiting for that preview to update. And I got to about 40 and 40 looked like a really good balance with the noise reduction set where it was and the, uh, the sharpness so that I, I was getting what I wanted to do. I still didn't see all of the uh, the detail that I wanted in the image, but we have another slider. So I'm, I was hoping in this specific image as I was editing it that I might be able to get a little more out of the image, get a little more detail and edge sharpness in the image and still have the noise reduction look like it is. And I'll talk about that in just a second, but I, I need to take a quick break here. Uh, from these workflow steps of Denoise AI and thank a partner for the show. That's Flurn.com. I love Flurn and the incredible video training they offer. A lot of what I know about Photoshop has come through the video training I've gone through as a paying customer of Flurn.com. And that's why I know it will help you too. With your annual subscription, you get instant access to over 150 in-depth video tutorials from Photoshop guru, Aaron Nace, who knows how to teach Photoshop and he makes it fun. Flurn is adding two new pro tutorials every month and priced at only $99.95 for the annual subscription to absolute steal. Phototaco listeners can get an even sweeter deal by getting 20% off that first year of your subscription going to flurn.com and using coupon code phototaco20. That's P-H-L-E-A-R-N.com and coupon code PHOTOTACO. I want to thank Flurn for making this episode of Photo Taco 
possible. Okay, let's go on now to tuning the recovery recover original detail slider. The third slider that's available in uh, the Denoise AI model of the Denoise AI software. All right, so not every image is going to need this slider for sure. In fact, as I put images through the software and hit auto, auto, I don't remember seeing auto ever recommend that a recover original detail should be used. And so this seems like it's only going to come into play if you're manually adjusting things. And uh, and it may not, I, I didn't find that I was reaching for it on most images. Some images, I couldn't even tell much of a difference at all when I engaged it. Um, and some images, it just made it horrible if I engaged it. So you're going to have to play with it. All of these sliders are kind of, you know, playing with combinations. At least there's only the three main ones to be able to use. And, uh, and so, th so that's good. All right. So uh, same thing though, with recover original detail, take it to a hundred. Let's see what happens <laughs> as we go through it. So I took it up to a hundred. I wanted to see if, uh, what happened. And in this image, this specific image, it definitely brought noise into the photo, like a lot of noise. Uh, it was still better than the original, and that's always there on the left-hand side of the software in the split view. The left side shows the original image, untouched, unchanged. It doesn't change at all through any of this stuff, and it, that worked. It, it was it was it was better controlled than the original, even at with recover original detail at a hundred. But it was it was allowing too much noise back into the photo. So I go to 50, right? And this one's different because this slider doesn't increment or decrement by just one. It's five units at a time. So you you go down five units at a time. I went to 50 and you just I just drag the slider to 50. And uh, to me, the image looked exactly the same at 50 as it did at zero. So 50 was too low, like it didn't have an impact. 100 definitely did. Now it's okay, between 50 and 100, is there something reasonable? So 75, right? That's, that's where you go next. So I changed to 75 and it just didn't really look all that different from 100 even. So it, there's extremes here. And I figured, well, maybe the problem is I'm at 100% view and I need to see even tighter in to really see what the difference is and the impact is. Now, I think there's danger in this. There's danger at 100%. There's even more danger at 200%. When you're working on noise reduction, if you go in really tight like this at 200% or, or further and you eliminate the noise, if it can look acceptable there at that view level, at that zoom level, but then when you zoom back out, you've taken out so much detail that you have plasticky skin and things looking funny. So you got to be careful with this. I wouldn't really recommend that you do much with the remove noise and sharpen sliders in uh, the Denoise AI model at 200%. But in this case, I felt like I wasn't able to see any difference. And maybe that's your judgment. If you are not seeing any difference between wide swings of the slider, like I didn't hear, uh, then maybe you need to go in a little tighter so you can see an actual difference as you change the slider. So I changed it and I, I kind of found then, okay, actually, I do see a difference now. And it's 65 for Recover Original Detail. I felt like I had some sharpness in the edges recovered. I was still dealing with the noise, like really controlling the noise levels in the image. 
um, but not so much that it's fully gone. And you can go check out the show notes and see kind of what I was looking at. It's not the same as you real time moving the sliders, but you can you can kind of see the process. And uh, and I was pretty happy then with how this image turned out. Uh, there's some hair on a basketball player. Uh, well, there's a couple of basketball players in the image. Uh, one's dunking and one's trying to defend. And um, I, I it was amazing to me the kind of the detail I was able to get without having a lot of super noticeable noise. It it did a really good job with this specific image. I, I liked how it came out. Uh, let's talk about a couple of other sliders that are available. There's two other sliders. They're they're kind of separated off from the others. And um, Denoise AI calls them post-processing sliders. And this is, uh, the first is called Chroma Noise Reduction Strength. And the second, if you enable, if you drag the slider over at all on Chroma Noise Reduction Strength to any value above zero, then you get a second slider that is Chroma Noise Reduction Size. And you can play around with those. Um, these are the ones that, that Topaz is recommending you use to control that color noise that I mentioned. And these are the ones that I'm going to recommend you don't leave <laughs> to Denoise AI. I tested this out uh, quite a bit and I thought I felt like I consistently got better results, meaning I got less noise in the photos and more detail in the edges by doing the color noise reduction at the default level in Adobe Camera Raw than I did when I tried to do this chroma noise reduction in Denoise AI. So my recommendation is don't do this here. I think I consistently ended up with better images that way, but you'll, you might need to test it out. And if, if you have a particular image where you feel like you're not getting out of it what you had hoped, you know that this is an option you can try. You can try bringing your image, like the raw image, into Denoise AI without having anything else touch the sharpening or the noise reduction and see if, if you can come to a better result. You know it's another uh, level you can take things to if you need it. But in the images that I put it through, I never found that I liked. I can't say never. I rarely, <laughs> rarely found I liked it better without doing it. And I didn't test this nearly as much as, as the other things. Okay, uh, once you're done with those sliders, then you're, you're kind of at a, a point where you like it. Now you just have to save the image. You just hit save and you get some choices on how you want to save it. If you ran it standalone, you get choices uh, between JPEG and... Uh, let's see, I'm going to look them up real quick. JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and DNG. And it has JPG and JPEG. And it has TIFF and TIFF. So in total, you have like six options, but really there's only the three, four. There's JPEG, TIFF, PNG, and DNG. Um, I did do some testing in the batch modes for the differences between several of these, and I'll give you some information on them. I'm going to recommend TIFF is the image format to use if you use it standalone. Um, DNG, it would be my second choice. It's not far off. Um, and if you are tight on space, then DNG might be your preference because there's a tiny bit of savings in the file size. I'll go over that again in a second. But that's that's you do have some options if you're using standalone. If you're in Lightroom, 
I can't remember because I did this so many times now. I think it defaulted to TIFF as it came back into Lightroom, um, but it may be preference that I set to. And then if you're in Photoshop, there's not really, it just, it's doing it kind of more in memory in Photoshop where it's just passing the document back and forth, the layer that you're on. So it doesn't really save it out to the, the disk as an image. You just get it as a layer in Photoshop and the effect in Photoshop. Okay, so so now you've saved your image and you're all done. And I'll have an example, the the image that I went through, I, I detailed all the steps like I just talked about, st almost step-by-step step in the show notes. I have high-res images so you can see how things changed as I moved the sliders for this specific image. And then I have the final resulting image um, that I shared here so you can really compare the results between the two as I went through that process. Um, let's talk about then my, my general observations, my comparing the noise AI versus, uh, Adobe camera raw really. And most photographers, they don't, like I said, they don't really know that it's called Adobe camera raw, the engine in Lightroom and Photoshop that's dealing with sharpening and noise reduction and other things, all the things in the develop module, all those panels on the right hand side, that's all Adobe camera raw. And um, same exact thing is available in Photoshop. It just a lot of Lightroom users never have heard that term before. That's why I want to make sure it's clear here in this episode about that. So I wanted to compare between that Adobe Camera Raw and Denoise AI. And there's other plugins that handle noise reduction. I may do future episodes where I can now do a pretty solid comparison between those Um I've had some listeners suggest some plugins that they like to see added to the list as comparison. But for this episode, I am just comparing the noise reduction option you probably already have if you're an Adobe user to what is was I would could do in Denoise AI. So that's what I'm talking about here. And I have a whole bunch of samples that I'll sh I show you in the show notes at uh, high res images at different views to kind of really show the difference in the AI, in the noise reduction that was there. Um, and, and it's it's interesting to it's there. I also used just to one of the arguments you can make is, OK, but that's a JPEG that you put on the Internet. It is just a JPEG, which means it has some compression. It's a loss format. Um, but there's kind of two things going for it. First, it's not running through any other compression software. If you share a JPEG to Facebook or Instagram or any social media outlet, that social media is going to compress the image and it's going to do it no matter what resolution you had your original image at. So, uh, so it's, that there's a big advantage in the show notes because it didn't pass through another compression algorithm after JPEG. The other really good thing is I used, it just happened to be that my good friend Greg Benz released a free web sharpening filter add-on for Photoshop. So if you look at my screenshot, you'll see just under the Topaz Labs, there's actually a web sharpening filter from Greg Benz that's there. I used that to be able to make sure I got images that looked identical in JPEG and what um, compression level I should use. I needed them to be as small as I could possibly get them in file size to make it uh, friendly on my host and friendly for you who are loading them, uh, but not lose any of the detail. So I used that. It, may, it was super helpful for me to be able to make sure I could create JPEGs that are fair in representing kind of the differences in the noise reduction between these two methods. Uh, I went through and did the images in both Lightroom and in 
Denoise AI, and you can just go compare those. I have the same basketball dunk image compared, and then I have the uh, a Milky Way scene that I compared, and I show actually the no noise reduction, and then what Adobe Camera Raw did and what Topaz Denoise AI did. I have another one that's a soccer player zoomed in at 200%, and you can kind of see how the logo on the jersey is dramatically sharper in the Denoise AI image, and that's 200% view, you've got to remember. So some people are like, oh, but then his skin looks so funny and and it looks like way too sharpened. But when you go, when you zoom out to the normal view and consider the whole image, it looks really good. It looks very nice. Then there's a, a portrait that was underexposed and that's where I used AI clear. And in particular, you can notice the eyelashes on the female in the portrait. On the woman in the portrait, you can see her eyelashes are significantly more detailed. And that's what AI Clear brought to the table on this one instead of using Denoise AI. So that's why I kind of recommend you, you might need it. You might need to prefer the AI Clear instead of Denoise AI as the model. And I have a, another one that shows the male in the same thing. You can really see some details in the shirt and in a corsage on his shirt and in his hair and his eyes. You can see a lot more detail on an image that was a two-stop underexposed image shot at ISO 100. You, you can see even at 100% view, you can see kind of the detail there. All right, so those are the example images that I shared in the show notes. Um, suffice it to say, uh, well, let's let's go through the hardware and performance first before I have my final wrap-up and final opinion about Denoise AI. So hardware. Let's talk about the hardware. It wouldn't be a photo taco review if we didn't go over the computer hardware equipment that you need and what's there. So I first tested on the 2014 Windows desktop computer um, that I that I custom built. It's a Core i7-4770K overclocked to 4.2 gigahertz, has 32 gigabytes of RAM and an NVIDIA GeForce GTX 1060 GPU with three gigabytes of memory. And if that doesn't mean anything to you, don't worry about it. And if you didn't capture all of that because you're listening, it's in the show notes. I have it all detailed there in the show notes. So with that, here's the hardware usage I saw as I was testing the software. When you launched the software, it only took about 100 meg of RAM and kind of allocated on this machine with a discrete graphics card, about 200 megabytes of GPU memory. Then when I loaded my 24 megapixel raw file, this is some follow-up I'd really like to do and see kind of resource utilization on some other types of raw files, but I, I just didn't have time to go through all that. So the RAM usage went up to about 400 meg. Um, just needed that to load the raw file. Not, not a big concern. 400 meg is still pretty small. And the GPU memory went up slightly to 300 meg. All right, so then moving around the Denoise AI model sliders, um, so moving around like the navigator or pressing update or getting making any changes to the sharpening, just kind of using the tool then to, uh, to, to, to see the differences and get that preview panel to update. At 100% view, which is the default, took about three seconds for the preview to update on that hardware. And during those three seconds, it used about 25% of my CPU, 600 megabytes of RAM, 98% of the 3D video engine on the GPU and a gigabyte of memory on the GPU. So this was just doing the preview stuff. So I'm not saving the image out. I'm not doing full process on the image. Every time I move that slider and let go of it, it doesn't real-time update. It can't on the Denoise AI model. There's too much work that has to happen. 
as soon as I release the slider after changing it, if I have auto update on, and I recommend you do that, then it takes it took about three seconds of processing. It would jump up to using almost 100% of the video card, the GPU engine, and uh, it heavily used the memory on the GPU as well. And so, so that was at 100% view. If I changed it to 50%, well, actually, I changed it to 200%, it got faster, like under a second to be able to have the preview update. Still not real-time updates, but under a second to do the updates at a 200% view. Uh, and the resources, you know, were pretty close. Uh, it it didn't maybe use quite as much graphics memory, um, but I'd, you'd already done the 100% view. So it's hard to tell. It doesn't really release the resources, the memory resources very much. So uh, anyway, it, it kind of stayed the same. The, the important part is three seconds at 100%, almost instant at 200%. And then if you go to 50, if you, if you go out to 50, then the preview took nine seconds, so three times slower at 50% because it has more of the image that it has to process at once to update that preview and generate a preview of what you're seeing. And during those nine seconds, it used about 33% of the CPU, so you know, 10% more than it did at 100. Uh, about the same RAM, it's about the same on the video card, so it was just a little bit more CPU intensive, but it took nine seconds is the difference. Three times slower at 50% to have the preview update. But it was a, a helpful view, so I kind of I liked that that option was there. And I actually wish there were a couple more options. I'll get to my complaints about this in a second. All right, so saving a single image. Um, this is the actual processing, the whole image. And, and it's interesting the different times that it took here too. So 40% of the CPU, um, 1.2 gigabytes of, of memory on the computer, 98% of the 3D engine on the GPU, and 2.6 gigabytes of the GPU engine memory there was only three available, so I kind of wondered would it use more if there was more available, or if I had a better graphics card, how, what it would, how it would do. It was about 33 seconds, 30, 35 seconds average to, uh, to process a single image, and so, so that's kind of what you need to note. It was nine seconds at the worst at 50% at, uh, view to update the view, but it took 35 seconds for it to process a single image and, and do the entire 24 megapixel image. And if I assume, I didn't specifically test this yet, <laughs> I assume if you had larger megapixel images all of this would slow down even more. It would take more time for the previews to update and it would take more time to process an image. Um, the good news is it does use GPU and I kind of like that. Okay, so I also tested on my 2018 15-inch MacBook Pro with a Core i7-8750H that goes up to 4.1 gigahertz, 16 megabytes of RAM, so not, not as much RAM, half the RAM. And it has switchable graphics between the um, the integrated, I couldn't think of a word there for a second, the integrated Intel UHD graphics 630 or the Radeon Pro, the discrete Radeon Pro 555X, 555X that has four gigabytes of GPU available. So that's good. I had an example of GPU. I also let macOS Catalina and I am running Catalina. Uh, I still see some people are having trouble with that, but uh, all of the things that I'm using are currently okay in macOS Catalina. So I am there and um, I let it decide. It can decide. You, through the energy settings, you can say, let the, the macOS Catalina decide what to use between the two. And clearly, Denoise AI has uh, let 
done whatever they need to do so that when you launch the software, it lets Mac OS know, hey, you better turn on the GPU. It's time to go to the discrete GPU. We need that to make this work the best we possibly can. So uh, on launch, it took about, it was similar, very, very similar. Uh, it was similar loading up a single 24 megapixel image raw file on the Mac. Um, as I moved things around at 100% view, it took about two seconds, so a, a full second faster on a computer that had a more up-to-date processor. It's a four years old, newer machine, so it should. And it took about 35% of the CPU, about 850 megabytes of RAM. It took about 50% of the GPU. Instead of 100, it only used 50% of the GPU and about 1.8 gigabytes of the GPU memory. So it had four available and it only used 1.8 as I was updating the preview. So the graphics card may not have a big limitation if you have an older graphics card or one that has less memory on it. Uh, that may not be a huge factor as you're using this because I had a, a newer graphics card with more memory available and it didn't maximize the usage of it. Uh, at 200%, it was near instant. I mean, even more near instant. And uh, it didn't really change what the resource levels were using. At 50%, it used. It took about six seconds. So it was three seconds faster on this newer hardware. Again, using about 50% CPU, 870 megabytes of RAM, 91% of the GPU. So it did ramp up a little better there at the 50% view, leveraging more of it. And it did go all the way up to three gigabytes of GPU memory. So I don't know that you need a whole lot more than three gigabytes, um, but more testing would, would kind of do that, would show that. And this should be sufficient to kind of give people an idea of what it's gonna be. I also though wanted to make sure I tested what if you don't have a discrete graphics card. You don't have a fancy NVIDIA or AMD graphics card in your computer, which is gonna be the case for lots of you listening who have MacBook Pros and you're gonna be using the integrated Intel GPU. So I went to my trusty 2017 13-inch MacBook Pro. It has a Core i5-7360U processor that goes up to 3.6 gigahertz, 16 gig of RAM, and only the Intel Iris Plus Graphics 640 with 1.5 gigabytes of uh, GPU memory, we'll call it. It's not really. <laughs> On launch, about the same, about the same to load a single megapixel file, of course. The 100% view took about three seconds, so close to the same as it did on Windows for me. Uh, it used 35% of the CPU, 925 megabytes of RAM, and some of that's probably because that is uh, virtual memory for the GPU. Uh, 5%, only 5% of the GPU. So the, the software probably kind of figured it out and went more heavily towards CPU than GPU on it. And then by the stats, it says maybe 720. It's, it's what I could get out of iStats menu, 720 megabytes of GPU memory. But I, I think there's kind of a, I think it has a hard time telling the difference between that and what's being used for video memory. At 200% view, the preview updated nearly instantly again, well under a second. Um, not much to speak of with the changes in uh, resource utilization. Yeah, like 15% of the CPU, 3% of the GPU was not hard. 200% things can go pretty fast, even without a, a graphics card. At 50%, though, it was a much bigger difference. You had 10 seconds to have the preview update. It used 90% of the CPU. It used 1.1 gigabytes of RAM and about 25% of the GPU 
um, execution engine. So it was it was slower for sure to do this. The place that really showed up though was how long it took to actually process an image. When I hit save, it was 68 seconds, a minute and eight seconds, using 90% of the CPU, 1.6 gigabytes of RAM and 25% of the GPU. So uh, it was much, much slower, two times, more than two times slower when you didn't have a discrete graphics card available to do the processing. Okay, so Denoise AI definitely needs some hardware to function. If you don't have discrete graphics, the performance seems a little worse and much worse when you're exporting, when you're finally saving. Uh, so so there's that to consider. Some photographers, you may find it difficult to run Lightroom, Photoshop, and Denoise AI all at the same time, especially if you're going to try to run a browser at the same time, you're going to run out of memory. And so you, you really need to have a computer that can handle this stuff. I have some buying guides on the website for photographers to decide how they can go and buy a computer that's uh, going to be sufficient for their needs to run this stuff. And uh, there, there you go. That is about the hardware reasoning. All right. So now let's, let's talk about Denoise AI batch mode. You can see how much testing I had to put into this to get all of this in information and why I, I really wish I, I had a little bit more time to do a little bit more testing, but I think that's going to be the case in any tests and any reviews that I take on that is going to work that way. So uh, Denoise AI supports a batch mode of sorts. You can use it to remove noise on a folder full of images. Well, really what you do is you open up a folder and you just select all of the images at once that you want to be able to do this on. So you open the folder and you just like click on the first one, shift click on the last one, or control A, command A to be able to select all of them. I tested this out then on a folder that had 1,682 24 megapixel raw files from a recent nighttime shoot I did at a soccer game under lights. Plenty of noise in those images. And the, the hope I had as I did this was maybe this is something I can throw at uh, a pre-processing step before I bring it into Lightroom and Photoshop, if it does a spectacular job of removing the noise, um, then maybe I could throw it at this. And even if it takes, you know, half hour to be able to do that, I could go do something else for a half hour, come back and have raw files or at least TIFF files um, that are going to, that I can use to, to process further on. And that's going to, it's going to retain all of the information from the raw files, but hopefully less noise and a little bit more sharpness. And, and that seemed, that would be an ideal scenario for me. I'd be able to do that. So that's exactly what I tried. I, uh, I brought it up and it's, it, the software changes the UI just a little bit down at the bottom. When you have only a single image open, it just shows your single image. And it doesn't make a lot of sense when it has a single image about what these things mean. There's like a checkbox to the lower left. There's a, a name, there's a 0% number, there's a remove button. It's kind of weird when you have just a single image you're working on. But when you get a batch, when you have 1,682 images there, now it lists all of those underneath it. And if you click on one of those images, you can see the preview. It shows it in the split view. You can go through one at a time. So you could customize the noise settings per image if you wanted to, or uh, there's the checkbox in the lower left on all of these images, and by default, it's checked on all of them, then it's going to say, I'm going to process all of these images with the same settings. So you choose your model, you choose your mode, you choose your remove noise slider, your sharpen slider, and your recover original detail slider. And it's gonna be set that way on all of them that have the check mark 
checked. As you are changing it, every one of them in the bottom part of the UI that has the check marks next to them now will get updated with the new settings. If you want one to be different, you uncheck the check boxes and now those settings won't be changed as you continue to change settings. So it's a little funky, a little weird to work with, but it, it works. It was, it was very acceptable. And as long as the processing went well, that would be fine. I was super excited at the prospects of this. Um, and then I, I, I wondered like, what options am I going to have to be able to retain the raw detail, the raw information in my images? I was worried it would be JPEG only. I was, I've already mentioned it supports others. Um, it was really cool because it actually supports TIFF. It supports zip compression in the TIFF, which should cut down on the file size. And it supports a bit depth of 16, which is great, versus 8, and uh, keeping the color profile. So it'll make sure that the color profile is embedded in that TIFF. That's awesome. All things that I would I would choose if I could you know, in other tools, and they're right there and available. So that's great, and I chose that, and then I launched it. You know, I said, it said all right, now go get me 1,682. Do the noise reduction on all of those images according to the model and, and the sliders that I set. And then I ran into the challenge. <laughs> now I ran into a problem. Um, it took at least 35 seconds to process an image. It took even longer than that on the MacBook that didn't have discrete graphics available. And that is happening on every single one of these images. So I let the process run for 40 minutes. I got 69 photos on my Windows machine. Only 69 photos after 40 minutes of letting it go. It's just too slow. This batch mode is just way too slow to be able to do it. And I assume it would be even worse if you have higher megapixel raw files. Uh, it just, it, it wasn't going to work. <laughs> Plus the resulting TIFF file, you know, on average, my raw files for the 24 megapixel image was about 23, 25 megabytes, something like that. It was about a hundred megabytes in the TIFF file. And we're not talking about any increase in resolution here. It's not like it upsized the images. It was the equivalent resolution. Still the same pixels dimensions in the file. Uh, they're just, they were dramatically bigger, four times bigger in file size. So it's not only a dramatic sync in time, it's really going to chew up storage as well. I just, I had to, I actually needed to process these images. These were kids from a soccer game that wanted to see their images. So I needed to get these done. I couldn't wait for the batch job to finish. It was going to take way too long. And so I killed the job and I just kind of went through the files one by one. And on the few that I, that like survived my calling where I wanted to make them be the very best I could. Then I, that was some of the examples that I did and testing that I did in bringing them one image at a time from Lightroom over to Denoise AI and seeing if, uh, if I could get it. And I felt like I could get better images that way than through Adobe Camera Raw noise reduction and sharpening. Um, so it was, it was not good. Okay, now you may wonder, well, what about the other formats? The other file formats, you had some other options. So maybe TIFF stinks. <laughs> maybe the compression's not great. And what if you do DNG? So I tried that. It did go faster. It only took 26 seconds compared to the 33 seconds. The DNG file was even larger. <laughs> it was 114 megabytes in size. Uh, still super impractical from a storage perspective and from a processing pers perspective. 26 seconds per image is too long for, to, for a reasonable batch conversion sort of thing. 
unless you got a really lot a lot of time on your hands. I guess if you started it before you went to bed and you really needed all these images to be uh, to be worked on to have the noise reduced, then at least there's an option. And and I am glad they have the option. It's just pretty impractical in most cases. So that there there is that. Uh, JPEG. Okay, so going to JPEG. I would never want to do this, right? In batch mode, going to JPEG and not doing any other processing on this, I'm losing rawness. I'm losing the details and the whole reason I shoot raw. I would never want to do it. But just to see, it took about 30 seconds to do JPEG, so even even longer than the DNG file. And I ended up with uh, JPEGs, and I exported them at a quality of 10, the highest level. I would want the highest JPEGs if I was ever going to consider this. I'd want the highest JPEGs. And at least they came out to 12 meg, 12 megabyte JPEGs. So that's not horrible, but boy, I can get a lot better than that if I do the exporting out of Lightroom or Photoshop, especially that web sharpen filter from Greg Benz. So not super pleased with that. No go for 99% of my work anyway, just because I don't want to reduce the quality of the data I have from raw to JPEG without doing any other edits. Okay, then there was PNG, and that took about 35 seconds to do it with the compression at the highest, which is good in PNG case, because there's no loss in quality. PNG is a lossless format and highly compress things and get smaller file sizes in in theory, you can get file, smaller file sizes. And they were smaller than either TIFF or DNG, but not nearly as small as JPEG. But that makes sense because it's lossless. But it, it was 97 megabytes in size. Still way, way too large. So I, again, I'm glad that there's batch mode available. I'm glad they have it an option so that if you really, really need it, you have the option. That's cool. And it didn't seem to me like it took a lot for them to add the option. But as long as it takes, as long as it does to process these images, uh, it's not practical to think you're gonna do this on thousands of images. Uh, here's my complaints. I have seven complaints now that I've used the tool. Um, and so I'm just gonna run through all seven of them. They're, this is far from a perfect tool. No tool is gonna be perfect, but here's the things that I think would really help the product. The first one is uh, an efficiency standpoint. The sliders are mouse only. You have to hit the targets on the slider to change it. And that could be even more challenging if you have a 4K display, that target's gonna be even smaller. So you can't, you, you have to click and drag. And the precision is really tough to do too. To if you wanna change it just one, it's hard to click it, drag it, and have it change just one notch on the slider. It's, it's tough. I'd really love to see him do kind of what lives in Lightroom where the number on the slider to the right of the slider is clickable. You can click in there and you can either enter a number yourself or you can use the arrow keys up and down to now increment by one. That would be a little easier to use. So that's my first complaint. Second, brightness and contrast. So <laughs> Topaz is recommending you don't do anything else in your workflow. And on your, your noisy images, the ones where you have like a, you had to increase the ISO because there's just not enough light available, you most likely also have some underexposure. Or at least the contrast doesn't make it obvious where the noise is. It made it really tough to see the noise in the images. Really, really hard. And they do have a brighten button I didn't mention until now. There is a brightness or a brighten button that you can click. It seems like all it does is increase the apparent brightness of the image by one stop. It doesn't change the contrast. It doesn't, it, it was, it wasn't really helpful to be able to see the noise. And I, I found it tough to work on this as Topaz recommended. 
in not changing like, you know, exposure or highlights or whites or blacks or any of those things in Lightroom before going in this or in Adobe Camera Raw before using the tool, I was able to visualize the noise and see what it's doing much better if I did bring the exposure up to the level I wanted it at, or if I did change kind of the highlights and the shadows and, and the contrast and stuff like that, I liked it better. Um, I, I am sure I ended up with, you know, images that weren't as nice, but I liked it better dealing with getting the image kind of where I wanted it before I brought it into denoise so that I could better see what the noise looked like. And so I, I, what would be really helpful and maybe change it so I didn't have to do that is if there was brightness and contrast sliders. Not that I want Denoise AI to change the brightness, the exposure or the contrast. I just need to be able to use it as a visualization tool in the software so I can better see the noise that are, that's in the image and see what it is that Denoise AI has done with that noise. So that would be super, super helpful. It was a real challenge as I worked on these images. Uh, auto update, I think has a bug and I can't tell exactly how it happens. It wasn't totally reproducible in all scenarios, but it seemed to happen more at 50% view than at other views. And that was auto update didn't actually update. <laughs> it would happen quite a few times that I like changed something and nothing would change and auto, it, I, I wouldn't see the processing message and, uh, and the, the view didn't seem to change either. And I'd have to like turn off auto update checkbox, click the update button. It would then process and I'd turn it back on and it, it, there's, there was an issue there. They probably need to work on what's happening, uh, with, with that. They really, number four is they really need a fit view. So we have 50, 100, 200 and 400% views in this split view. I guess it's also if you do the single or original view, it's the same. You can get to those zoom levels. None of those with my 24 megapixel images would show me the whole image. And I really like doing that as a check, a validation before I go back. So at least you have 50. That's good. You should check your image at 50 before you hit save to make sure you're comfortable with how the image is looking at 50. And then just kind of use the navigator to scroll around your image. Because even at 24 megapixels, a 50% zoom would not show the entire image. I really wish there was like a fit and that it was an accurate preview of it. Now it might take like 35 seconds to generate that preview if you had fit. It's, it's like you're asking Denoise AI to now process the whole image and show you what it is. So I get that, I get that it's there, but I would love to have that as a final thing I could do uh, to do fit, to have it process the whole image and then and be able to, to check around. But it's, it's a, a little bit of a more minor complaint. Uh, another suggestion I'd have for Topaz Labs that would be helpful, I really wish that I could set the side-by-side -side view. Like at some point, the original view that's shown on the left isn't as helpful. I'm comparing slider settings and I really want to say, I, I wish I had the capability in the software to say, I'd really like you to load up the current settings that I have and put that in the left part of the split view as the image I'm comparing against. So that now I can play around with stuff on the right and not have to like have a mental picture of what the, the, the image looked like before and have an actual comparison right there so I could see the difference between the two. Now, again, 
that means they'd have to actually process the image. They'd have to probably create a temp file somewhere on their computer that they would then show on the left preview. But man, would that be a powerful way to be able to do this. Like I'd really like to be able to set auto that way. Whatever the auto mode is, load that into the left window, the left part of the split view, and now have so that I can compare it against what I'm doing to customize the sliders and determine, am I making this better or is the auto still, <laughs> is the auto a better result? And, and that would be really, really helpful to be able to, to come to better results. I found myself going back to settings, like hitting auto multiple times as I was using an image, just so I could see what it looked like again, remind myself what it would look like. Or if there's a particular problem area I found in the image through the navigator and I'm looking at 100% view, and I want to see, well, what did it look like under the auto settings compared to what I have right now? I'd have to hit auto, see what it is, then change my sliders and see what it is and just mentally try to imagine the difference between the two. And it would be super helpful if I could just have the left side be a, a capture point of where the sliders are and then do that, um, allow you to do that. Uh, number six, I, I would really love to have the ability to drag an image, drag on the image itself. I was, this was super frustrating. I probably should make this my number one complaint <laughs> because the only way to change the viewport on what it is you're seeing, what portion of the image you're seeing in the side-by-side -side split view is through the navigator in the upper right. You have to drag your mouse up there to the upper right and change it. And it's really hard to have precision as you're moving it around. It jumps a lot because it's a, it's a little window on a nav tiny navigator. I really, really wish that I could use the mouse on the split view itself to drag the image around. I tried, oh, I, I was doing this all the time because that's how it works in almost all of the software and it didn't work here. So I really wish that that would, you could use that dragging on the image, even if you had to like push spacebar, which there's no other functions if you click on the image. So there's no reason that you'd have to have a modifier, keyboard modifier to, uh, to access that. But I, I really wish that was there. Okay, and the last one, number seven, the smaller file sizes. I have to say that's a massive disappointment to me. Um, if you use this from Lightroom, you're going to end up with some massive TIFF files <laughs> as you work on Denoise AI. They're going to be huge. They're going to be really, really large. And then because those files are so big, they it, it makes Lightroom struggle more. There's just raw file size in the memory and on your disk. It's a challenge. They need some focus needs to be to be done here on making the file sizes more reasonable. Bloating them up by four times in the size that is not acceptable. That that needs to be worked on. And I it, you you can work on it. It can be done better without losing any kind of quality in the image. There's other tools that are doing a much better job with this, and they need to produce smaller file sizes. Okay, final verdict then. Now that I've got through my complaints and you all think I'm super down on this product. Final, final verdict here. Is it worth spending 80 hard-earned dollars on this Denoise AI tool? Now, so many times I see advertising for a photography product, I've been disappointed in the product. I find most photography products don't live up to the hype of the marketing. They, like I mentioned earlier, they, they found a few images where the results are phenomenal and that's what they are putting out on their product materials. But as you put it through normal real world usage, it's not that good. It rarely lives up to the hype on most photography products. That's been my experience with it. I don't think that's the case here. 
I think that Denoise AI version two from Topaz Labs is a pretty compelling product. Now, is it going to dramatically improve every single image that has noise? No, it's not practical to do that first off. I already went through how there's issues there with batch processing and you can't possibly put this, if you think Lightroom's slow, wait till you try using Denoise AI to process images. It's too slow to do it on everything. Is it going to produce dramatically better results every time over Adobe Camera Raw and the stuff you already have for free, well, that you're already paying for? Uh, no, not necessarily. There's some images where I couldn't get a better result and Adobe Camera Raw did great. There were a couple Milky Way images that I tried where I could not get the uh, the images to, to work out really well. So no, it's not gonna be a universal answer. It's not gonna every time be a better solution for your images, but it was often, it was a lot. I was able to get images I was much happier with out of my noisy images uh, through Denoise AI than I could with others. I felt like I pretty consistently got sharper, more noise-free images using Denoise AI over what I could get with Adobe Camera Raw. And that's the caveat of, <laughs> I did pass it through, the, the color noise reduction of Adobe Camera Raw first. I felt, I felt like that did a better job than the chroma noise reduction in Denoise AI. So I actually had a combination of the two. So maybe it's not totally fair uh, with the results here because you, I really, really liked doing the color noise reduction through ACR first. Uh, at $80 to license the Noise AI on up to two computers, I think it's a really good option for photographers who consistently work on images created in low light capture environments, indoors. If you do a lot of indoor shooting, probably a tool you want in your toolbox. That way you have it as an option, something you can try out. If you have a client who wants to print a specific image really big and hang it on their wall, and you're worried that the noise is a problem in the image, uh, then this is a tool you have in the toolbox to help you. It doesn't mean it's guaranteed to be a better result than you can get through other tools, but it's a good option. And at 80 bucks, it's not far from an impulse buy for most photographers. That's pretty close. You might watch for sales and see if you can get it for less than that. I know that they ran a sale at the beginning of the year here in 2020, and you could actually get it for $50. So there's, you might look for that. Either way, maybe it's something you put down on your list at some point when you have a little bit of expendable income that you can spend on your photography probably a tool worth adding to your toolbox. I can recommend it as something that I found good results with as I did it and mostly lived up to the hype. So that's a, it's a good promising thing. Some things to work on. I went through my complaints, but overall I liked the product. Uh, I liked it enough that I decided, and it, I hope it doesn't invalidate the testing for everyone. I decided to ask them about getting an affiliate link so that you know they know that you came from Photo Taco, a way that you can give back to the show so that uh, a little financial uh, compensation for the time that I spend on this review. I don't have it yet, so I can't put a link in the show notes to it. If you want to buy it and you want to support the show, um, then I at some point will update the links and updates in uh, 
so on social media and on Facebook, the, the link, if I am granted the affiliate link, they haven't approved my application yet. So we'll see if that happens. Um, but I did this review totally independently and before any of that was available. And if you don't, if you choose to go buy it without my link, go for it. That's, you know, go get the tool, make it so you can use the software and potentially improve the results of your images as you do that. All right. That is the end of this really long episode. I hope you all <laughs> enjoyed it. You can let me know if you enjoyed it. When I post the link in Facebook or out, uh, you can make comments on the show notes on the, on the, over at phototacopodcast.com. I'd love to know if this was something that you found helpful and, uh, and what your feedback is. And uh, you can find everything for the show. I want to remind you over at phototacopodcast.com. There's even a link that says show notes. Uh, some listeners have really struggled to figure out what are the show notes. It's just a blog post that goes along with the show. It, you can play the show. The top of it has a little play player. So you can hit the play button and listen to the episode without even using a smartphone and an app to do it. But really, it's just all of the information that's there. And in this case, I have a massive um, 6,500 word post that I, uh, is accompanying this podcast episode with high res images. So go and check that out. You can join the Facebook group for the, uh, the podcast over at fa uh, Facebook, just search for photo taco and you'll be able to find that you do have to ask to join. I want to make sure I have listeners in that group and nobody else. And so you have to name the host. That's me, Jeff Harmon. Um, and then I have links to Instagram, Twitter, uh, for my personal account and for the show. And you can check out the other podcast I do. That's Master Photography. It's a weekly show where I get not as detailed as I did in this episode, but I go into, we go with lots of tips and tricks and and uh, even some news coverage on media or photography news. You can go check that out at masterphotographypodcast.com or look at Master Photography in any of your podcast players. I want to thank you all so much for listening to the, to the show. I'd greatly appreciate it if you would subscribe to the show and share it, share it with other photographers. And that's it. We'll see you again in another month. Views expressed on this program by independent hosts and callers do not necessarily reflect the views of Master Photography Podcast, LLC, or its advertisers. Some links mentioned on this program are affiliate links for permissions earned. Olay!